that's a false equivalency. You are equating both of those people with the same character traits. And it's not the case at all. This one has zero, the, the bad one. The other one has pretty good character traits, or at least trying. And now for something completely different. Welcome to Surrounded by Idiots Radio Podcast. From the deserts of the southwestern United States of America, Scottsdale, Arizona, to you, wherever you may be and however you are, this is the Serato Idiots Radio Podcast. This is Tony Dufresne, PhD. I hope things are great. I hope you guys are doing really well, trying to deal with all the fun and exciting things that are happening right now in the world, pandemic and uh, everything else being the case, political uh, here in the States for sure. So that leads me to this week's show, and I want to talk about something that has been coming up pervasively over the last few weeks or so, and it's in talking to friends or family or people that you meet and when you're chatting back and forth about stuff, and ultimately the uh, pandemic, if the pandemic comes up or if the political situation comes up, they tend to go towards the, well, I don't even know what the truth is anymore or what is the truth. And that is, to a philosopher, something that is both kind of a good thing and a terrible thing at the same time. Now, that's all context, right? Because in philosophy, all we talk about is meaning. And our whole point is to try to develop some sense of meaning and some game plan in terms of what our lives mean and and what we're supposed to be doing on this big blue marble here during our lifetimes. And so when you take a look at it in that context, you're like, okay, it's it's inquisitive thinking, right? You think, okay, you're challenging the truth. You're looking to expand reality, but that's not what's happening right now. And what's happening is the truth is being manipulated. It's being bent for the purposes of one part of society advancing. So the show today is going to be how to know the truth in a sea of lies, and I'm going to use a number of examples, and I'm also going to conclude into a call of action, which talks about the key to uh, really finding the truth in all this, which is critical thinking skills, and going through a number of those at the end. I want to throw a couple of quotes out to you just to set things up for today. The first one's by Gandhi, and it's, truth is by nature self-evident. As soon as you remove the cobwebs of ignorance that surround it, it shines clear. And the second one's from Voltaire, and this is one of my favorites. It's, those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. Now, I'm going to get to what's happening right now, but I want to let you know that people will try to confuse you with what is the truth, and they'll go back to philosophy and say, hey, there's five major theories on truth, and, and people really don't know, and you're supposed to question it. And is it the observable reality? Is, is it what I can see? Is that the truth? Or is it what you know I've been told? And that's really the point of what's happening is they're trying to confuse you and to get you off your game. It's almost like gaslighting, and, and we'll talk about that. Whereas they try to get you to really question everything that you know, everything that you believe, to make you very susceptible to being manipulated. And of course, surprisingly enough, they have the answers which is the whole point in them trying to confuse you in the first place, is they're trying to get you to follow their lead. So to baseline, bottom line this thing, if you want to look at just the definition of truth, it's really the body of real things, it's events, and it's facts, 
and it's reality. And of course, that's perceived reality, right? And I'm not going to get way deep into this because it's super boring. And I even hated philosophy 101 because it just goes round and round in circles and it confuses you. But what I want to focus on is one of the definitions of truth, which is the property of being in accord with fact or reality. Coming to conclusions on something or having the truth based on facts. Now, here's what's happening right now. Because there are two different kinds of truths. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to lump it all into one. There's the subjective truth, which is the truth in and of yourself. It's the truth of your own experiences. It's how you have processed things. It's the life that you have led and the experiences that you've had and how they relate to each other. It's the conclusions that you've made based upon the actions that you've taken in your life. Like, hey, if I you know go to touch the stove, I'm going to get burned. Hey, if I go out and spend all my money, I won't be able to pay my bills. You know, that type of a thing. And that also includes biases that are drilled into you when you're younger, be it from religion, be it from a racist parent, be it from an open parent, being from a hippie, being, you know, wherever the case may be, a lot of your worldview is shaped by the little bubble that was around you when you were growing up. But then there's the objective truth. And the objective truth is though are those truths that we all sort of plant ourselves in and agree to agree on. They're the natural law stuff, the science stuff, the social foundation stuff that we've agreed, like the Constitution or the Declaration, or if you're religious, if you want to go through the Ten Commandments as being truth, you know, thou shalt not kill anybody. Those are the ones we have agreed upon. Now, in philosophy... We like the fact that people will challenge truth, but for a reason. And the reason for challenging or looking at alternate truths in a situation is to expand our understanding, to expand our knowledge, to look at things from different perspectives. And it's based on the core objective of a better understanding of our world for the benefit of everybody. And that's the difference between a philosophy journey to truth And what's happening right now, which is really just a massive manipulation tool that's been used for years and years and years in authoritarian types of governments. And all you have to do is take a look around, and that's what's going on. Now, of course, I'm specifically talking about what's going on in the United States right now, but it doesn't mean that this concept and the philosophy of truth and of critical thinking doesn't apply to you because it really applies to every aspect of life. It applies to your own self and your own success. It applies to how you perceive things. It applies to all of your relationships and your career as going forward. Now, as a philosopher and somebody who's been dealing with this for years and years and years and years, I can totally see why it's real easy to fall into this trap if you if you haven't studied that and if you haven't gone through the process of, super critical thinking. What they're saying now is a lot, a a big fault of the current college education is they're not teaching proper critical thinking skills and the work, the new workforce, the new kids that are going out there don't have that because if you don't have proper critical thinking skills, you'll never get a grip in terms of how to deal with things, how to cope with things and how to solve problems, which leads to a couple tools that are being used right now to really screw things up. And the first one is called false equivalency. It's a it's a fallacy in which two separate things are compared equally, even though they are not. And the classic example is, you know, it's like apples and oranges, right? They're both fruit. You can eat them both. 
but they're just not the same thing. Just because two things share a single trait or a few traits doesn't mean they are the same thing. It's like having two people running for an office. One person is generally a good person. They try to do their best. They try to do the, you know, people do, people make mistakes here and there. So maybe there was an inconsistency here or there. The other candidate may be some pathological liar or somebody that's just a fraud or a huckster, a master manipulator. So what they'll do is, from that side, they'll look at the other side and say, oh, see, they're just as bad as this guy is. So that wipes out all the bad things that this loser over here is doing, which is not the case at all. That's a, that's a false equivalency. You are equating both of those people with the same character traits. And it's not the case at all. This one has zero, the, the bad one. The other one has pretty good character traits, or is at least trying, but they're creating that equivalency. And then that gets that wipes the board clean in terms of all the terrible things that that other person has done. And that's happening right now. There's an interesting quote by Isaac Asimov, uh, the, the writer in a paper that he wrote called The Relativity of the Wrong. And he said, when people thought the earth was flat, they were wrong. And then when people thought the earth was spherical, just like a round ball, they were wrong too. But if you think that thinking the earth is spherical is just as wrong as the earth being flat, then your view is wronger than both of them put together. Do you see the difference between thinking the earth is flat and the earth is round, like totally round, where it's not totally round, there's a little squish on the top and the bottom? But what's happening in false equivalency is they're saying, well, if you believe in it being totally round, it's the same as you believing it's totally flat. And it's that's not the case. But do you see how they're using that? And there are two other beautiful forms of manipulation that go right along with this from a true standpoint. One's called gaslighting. And it's uh, when the manipulator gets you to question your own reality. And I'm going to do my next show will be entirely on gaslighting because it's so prominent right now and everybody's getting gaslighted. The second thing is called a false dichotomy. That's when you call up a friend and you go, well, you could either go to this party or you could sit home alone crying and depressed. So they set up the situation where it's either this thing they want you to do or your life will be terrible. That's the false dichotomy. They're doing it right now in terms of politics or candidates, where they'll paint the picture of, if you don't vote for this person, then the alternative is murderers in the streets. So there's no gray area there. And that's why they're setting the people up that are following them into having no choice. It's a very binary world. It's a very either or. And when you set up either or, you split the camp very succinctly. You split it. The divide is very clear and you can see that right now and that's exactly what is happening. So why are we susceptible to these things? Even smart people, even intelligent people are susceptible to false equivalencies. The reason why is because it goes down to our base core way of processing things as human beings. It goes down to our thinking process, and the reason why we're susceptible to that is because it simplifies the thinking process. It makes things easy. The brain is always looking for the shortest line between two points, and in that process, we try to really streamline our thinking to get to the conclusions as quick as possible, and that's why these equivalencies and this bending of the truth is so effective because it just flows right into what we want to do in the first place, which is simplify our thinking process. The less we need to use critical thinking skills, the less we burn the calories, the less we have to put time and effort into figuring out what is going on. Plus, 
you have the authority figure thing. And the way society has been created, whatever those people say, the people on the pedestal, the people in authority, the the celebrities that people look up to, have a way higher level of acceptance than, you know, Bob down the street mowing his lawn. And so if they say it, then it cuts out, then it's like an automatic recommendation for something. So instead of going to Amazon and reading through 15 or 20 reviews, all you do is click on one of the Kardashians' Instagrams and see what lipstick she's using, and then boom, you buy that one. So do you see the issue and the the problem with all that? So the call to action here is how to fight against false equivalency, how to find the truth in that haystack of lies. And it's totally doable, and it's called critical thinking. And there's a few steps in it, and follow me on these because they're pretty easy once you get used to kind of going through the process. And then it's just a matter of accepting the fact you have to use a little brain energy to get down to the bottom of things instead of just taking things for, you know, wherever they come from. So the first step in critical thinking is identifying and being aware of really what the problem is. So what's the problem I'm dealing with or what's the issue at hand? And then who is delivering this message? Where am I getting my information from? And then why is that their take on things? So it's about digging a little bit deeper than just taking what they say at face value. Now, the second part of that is then you go to the research, researching to see the pluses and minuses or to validate that particular point of view in terms of facts. In a lot of our situations in life, when we're going to be using the critical thinking skills, it's going to be about somebody having an argument or a position and us having one as well and maybe it being different. And inherently, arguments are meant to be persuasive. So if somebody's trying to persuade you to see it their way, obviously they're going to use all that information that validates what their position is, right? So we have to look at it from the point of view where they're going to bring that in, but is there a different side? Is there a different perspective on these types of things? Another really important aspect of the research is going to reliable sources, and in re- specifically in regards to what's going on in the media right now, there's an amazing resource. And I've talked about this before, and it's from AdFontes Media. And what AdFontes Media did was they're, they're a research group, and they researched all of the media outlets, and they rated them based on the presentation of facts or not, and the biases left or right in relation to you know delivering those facts. And they have this big graph and it shows you exactly what media sources rank the highest in terms of being neutral as well as stating the facts and at the top of that is AP and Reuters but the key here is if you're going to research any topic or anything that you have heard or seen in a news feed go to the sources that have already been vetted that have already been researched as being reliable sources it's interesting because I, when I talked about this initially, it was probably a couple of months ago. I got a buddy of mine that's on the way on the right. He took a look at the scale and he said, Oh my, this is CBS news. This is, this is crazy. They're not neutral. They're not fact based. They had, they showed uh, pictures of a hospital in Europe and they said it was America. I go, seriously, dude, that versus Fox news. Are you going to f- create a false equivalency between one story that they use the wrong, the wrong footage of just a hospital? And Fox News, which is just propaganda, but that's what's happening. And that's what people are doing. So you've got to research 
what the situation is. If you've heard something or if you see something on a news feed, go to the sources that are reliable and have been proven to be just fact. Because as much as people don't want you to believe, there are still factual news sources out there. The one thing they want to do is they want to get you to believe that there are no factual sources. So then you just believe in what they say. So once you do your research, then you have to identify your own biases because in going through research, you're going to find that maybe you have a, an opinion that, you know, when it kind of rubs up against you where you finally go to maybe AP or Reuters and you see something, and you're like, hmm, that's not what I originally read. That's not something that reinforces my own beliefs or convictions. And what that does is it exposes your own particular bias. Now, more than likely, you you know, if you're listening to this anyway, you already know where your bias lies or where you slant. And it's not a bad thing. There's no judgment in terms of being left, right, or center. It just is what it is. But you have to own that. And a lot of people don't own that going into arguments or discussions or you know writing papers. So once you identify your own bias, you go through and you just take all the data. And you then you kind of synthesize it or throw it all together. You come out with a new modified accurate picture of what's going on that you can work with. Something that's that's vetted, something that has been researched, something that has been that the bias has been exposed and that you're more able to see it for really what it is, which is called, you know, the truth. So I want to throw out to you just as an example, something that may happen in a relationship in going through the critical thinking steps. The first step is identification of the problem. So let's say that uh, you're in a relationship and it's a pandemic and isolation and all the stuff that I've talked about over the past couple few months in regards to all the stresses that have been going on with relationships. Let's say you're becoming more distant. Uh, communication is worse. It just it just doesn't feel the same. There's something going on and you really can't put your finger on it at this time. So you have to ask yourself, who's doing what? I mean, what does that mean? Well, let both of you are not engaging. You're not talking. There's no fun anymore. No communication. So then you think about what are the reasons? Uh, our lives are turned upside down. Big life changes because of the pandemic. There is that political issue in the air. There's way too much time together and we're not used to it because usually we both work. But that's not the case. We're always around each other now, which means there may be no personal space or not enough personal space. You may feel smothered. So as a result of all this stuff, the relationship is suffering because there's passive aggressiveness, there's anger, there's sadness, there's a feeling of aloneness, and that translates into just not wanting to talk to the other person because all of a sudden you have this resentment towards them that uh, your life is uh, sucks. <laughs> and we know how projection works, right? Anytime that happens, you always project all that energy onto the person that's closest to you, and the lucky winner is your relationship. So the second step in that, after you identify the problem, is the research. Your research in this situation would be asking questions, opening it up. It would also be independent research, maybe going online and going to Psychology Today or going to other reliable sources in regards to couples issues, to therapy issues, and look through other people who have had the same situation. And as a past couples therapist, I have to say that the situation I'm drawing out right now happens to pretty much every couple in one way or the other. So you ask your significant other certain questions, you do your own independent research, and then you can also, again, just call a therapist or go to a therapist. So in that process, you identify your biases. And this is couples therapy, like encapsulated, right? You both go in there and you both throw your stuff stuff out 
And the therapist starts exposing those internal biases that you have in regards to your worldview versus their worldview. And the problem that is happening right now or the situation that I'm talking about in this scenario is that you each have your worldview and you found a way to mesh that together as a couple. But when big life changes happen, when nodal events happen, it changes the context of that worldview. And it kind of and sometimes that clashes because it puts you guys in a totally different life position than it was before. So the therapist will find some biases, or if you guys talk together, you can realize the two different perspectives you're having on the current situation. So then from there, you have to kind of gather all the information. It's called inference, and you kind of synthesize it. You know, you throw it all together. You draw your conclusions based upon what you found out. One of the things you probably realized is that you weren't able to see how much the pandemic has changed your own attitude or the emotional test of the pandemic has exposed to some character flaws in the other person that you kind of think you, this might be a deal breaker. And that's a, that's a scary thing to confront. So the next step after that is to just determining the relevance. And this is what I talked about in, in regards to prioritizing. Because once you figure out the new reality or a little twist on your reality based upon better information, then you're able to kind of prioritize it in terms of how it works for you and how it doesn't work for you. So when you go in and you say, well, I found out this this thing about this person or how this person copes with this or this whole thing is exposed, these character issues with this person or how they react to things that I may not be able to deal with because my top three things in a relationship in terms of what I absolutely need is consistency and communication and you know trust or whatever the case may be. And that might shift that if that's still what your priorities are and they're not meeting that then there's then there's going to be a talk or there's going to be a change that's going to be needed. And then the final step in this thing in regards to the relationship is problem solving. And the problem solving is action and taking action on the new information that you have. Because if you don't take any action on the information that you have, then what's the point? You can be critical thinking all day long, but if you come up with new conclusions and you don't act on those conclusions or you don't make changes in your life based on those conclusions, then what the hell are you doing it for in the first place? You might as well just roll along and be one of the sad puppets that are following along with all these false equivalencies. The whole point is to be aware and to understand context, dig a little deeper, and to be open. That's why you're listening to me, and that's why I'm talking about this, because this is so insanely important, especially right now. Now, the bottom line is that most people won't even get close to doing this, but the good part about this is, If you do it, then not only are you helping yourself and easing the pain and the stress of all the uncertainties that are going on right now, but you're also going to be a model for the behavior for other people that are around you. Because when somebody comes around a party or somebody is at a get together and people are going bat crazy on one side or the other because they think that, you know, the life is going to be ruined and you sit there and you try and you question out some of the, some of the crazy ass ideas that they have and take more of a critical thinking approach to it. It's going to calm things down and maybe you might be able to get some people to open up a little bit more than they have been in the past. That's it for this week. You can go to javabud.com, J-A-V-A-B-U-D, for everything. I've got YouTube videos. I've got the Alexa Flash briefings, which I haven't done in a little while uh, for one reason or another, but I'm going to jump back on that. I hope things are good. If you have any questions or comments, you can go to Tony at javabud.com, J-A-V-A-B-U-D. Hope things are great. I will see you next week. Bye.